Hey there, I'm James McKinban. And I'm Dagobert. And you're listening to This Indie Life. This Indie Life follows the journey of two indie hackers as we navigate the good, bad and the ugly, attempting to turn our indie hacker dreams into reality. Each week you can tune in to see what progress we've made to achieve those dreams. In this episode, unfortunately, Dago is still sick, so he records from the comfort of his bed as he tries to find out his customers' deepest, darkest fears. Meanwhile, I've had a really positive week having discussions about selling indie bites or maybe finding an alternative solution to my short-term money problems. But I do have to tackle a little bit of rejection along the way. Don't forget, we're on YouTube now, and you can find the link to that in the show notes. Let's get into it. So, Dago, tell me, why are you in bed recording? fuck because i'm sick like i I mean I, feel, I don't feel sick like it's this fucking long covid thing like i slept 10 hours and i was tired all day and it's been like this for one week it seems like it's slightly better now but like i worked like two hours today and i need to take a nap so it's the worst thing for me because like you know me i love to work so yeah it's pain and I looked up like documentaries about long COVID and basically the only technique is you need to pace yourself. Like you shouldn't, they basically don't do anything. And every time you feel a bit tired, you stop. But, and over time it kind of like heals itself if you're lucky. So, you know, since it only started bothering me last week, I think probably next week I'll be good. I hope so. I still notice like a slight improvement. So I think, okay, my goal tonight is to have a good night's sleep and that should already be helpful. But, yeah, that's like, I wish I could just keep killing my body and just be effective, but I can't, so I hate it. Yeah, well, that that's interesting because when I was ill a couple of weeks ago and I had the one week of it, I was so bored. Like, if it had gone on any longer, I would have gone crazy. So the fact that yeah. us as founders, the more time we spend ill, just the worse it gets, the more itch we have to do more the more impatient we get to for it to all be over and it's hard because you you've just got to wait it out and i'm pleased that you're seeing signs of improvement which means it it, at some point it's it should get better but it's gonna have to be a bit more waiting and resting and yeah it's like a forced vacation because i'm not in pain like i'm not i don't have anything in my throat i don't you know i have a slight migraine but nothing big it's just like you can't be calling that a vacation. Dago. D- Dago's the man that claims a vacation when he's ill. He's like, this is my holiday now. I'm, this that, is the yeah, that's like, I, yeah, that's it. I feel like, okay, <laughs> how should I manage this? Like, you know, I hate it because I have so much shit I want to do. You know, I always have shit I want to do. So anyway, yeah, I'm sick again. Hope next week it will be better. But that's why I have this weird setup, which is basically my bed, which you can see here, you know. So apart from being ill, what have you done this week? So I was working on Logology 2 for a couple hours only, but that's what I'm working on. And you know what I'm doing is I'm like applying what I learned when doing my course, but but to Logology. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm focusing on, and I'm starting like with the landing page instead of the product. I'm not thinking yet of like, even though I have some ideas of like how the product is going to change, I'm thinking of like, I'm asking people's questions about their problems to try to understand the deeper reason why they would want to buy something from Logology. And I'm pretty fascinated by the fact that I built so many relationships with people over time, you know, on Twitter and with customers of Logology that 
like I asked people a simple question the other day and I had like 20 quality answers. Like not on Twitter, just like people I knew, you know, mostly past customers. And it's the most beautiful thing. Like once you have some people who you know in your audience or in your customers and you can just ask them, you know, you have a question, like what's your deepest fear? Like the question I had for them is like, if the design of your SaaS or your startup was bad, what would be the outcome that you're afraid will happen? So I can understand the fear behind the need for a logo, the need for like, you know, UX design and all that that we're going to provide. And I had some of the best answers. And you know, once I know the fear that somebody has, I can just create a landing page that's going to push on that fear, make people feel the pain, like what's the, like how painful it is, the fear that you have and all that. And then I can just like know what the ideal solution is. And then we will build that ideal solution. So what have you found? What are people's fears around design? The main thing I have that I love is weight. Because, you know, my target is going to be startup founders, indie hackers, a lot of people who build a product themselves. And the best sentence I had from one of the replies that inspires me so much is the fear that even though you built the perfect product for someone, they overlook it because they have a bad first impression. And that's like so juicy that because like, imagine like I, I put myself in the shoe, you know, it's all about empathy when you do this work. And I'm like thinking I'm in the shoes of a startup founder who has no design skills, like a dev startup founder, which is a lot of them. Yeah. And you have no design skills and you build the perfect product for someone and you know, it's the right product. You know, it's solving their problems. You know, it's like perfect but they're not going to even try it out because after two seconds on your website, they think it looks like shit. It's not professional. Bye. I'm going to go to someone else, even someone with like a lesser product in the end. And that's like so powerful. So I'm going to, you know, be building my landing page around that. That is a very good answer because there's definitely been products that I've come across that I tend to overlook because the design might be bad or because like, well, there's so many well-designed products out there now that good well-designed product or landing pages that as soon as you come across something that's not quite as good, you, yeah, you might overlook it. What, what's your plans to start implementing stuff that you've got from this research you've been doing? So right now it's not, again, I'm just focusing on the copy right now. I've, I basically right now, I feel like a bullshitter. Like I'm only trying to convince someone to buy shit, but I haven't built the shit yet. I mean, I have Logology first version, but you know, it's all about what's the perfect thing that I can say to someone to make them buy. You know, what's the perfect product I could introduce, even though it doesn't exist yet. And once I have that and we look at it with Lucy and we're convinced and we love it, then we're going to build the product to solve that perfectly. You know, so focused on that which if I, if I wasn't sick would probably be done, but probably going to take one month at this rate, but whatever, I'm going to keep doing it, you know, as little by little. And eventually then I'm going to build a product. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see more of it as a, as you make more progress. I, I like, there's this balance to strike right between just building something that nothing, that no one wants building, building, building. Have you spoken about this? versus doing a bunch of research and never building anything 
but it seems yeah. like with your experience you're gonna hit a nice balance between doing enough research before you start building and then building something people actually want or need yeah to be honest i feel like i feel very confident about it which is usually the time where you fail and learn humility <laughs> but i do feel confident about it and that i really know how to understand people's problems and fears and i mean and i know how to communicate it now plus i have the audience and i have the product skills mm. and you know so we're on fire i think we're just, we're just gonna kill it like I, I don't know i feel confident about this one i'm like i don't know if it's gonna be big or anything but i think just changing the copy the messaging and adapting the product a bit we can do times two minimum and i'm hoping for like times three or times four sales with the same amount of you know traffic so we'll see but yeah pretty fucking excited cool i'm excited for it too now your covid brain has also made a very interesting decision and you decided to go ahead and bought twitter blue which i did i i wanted that nice juicy check mark as immediately as it came out i was like yes yeah. i want that and i have it and i was surprised given how much of like an elon fanboy and twitter fanboy you are that you wouldn't have done this sooner so what's made you do it this week Dago? i'm not a elon fanboy don't say this i'm mostly i'm a twitter fanboy i'm a fan of twitter this is like the best platform i love it and i want it to succeed and I think Elon is interesting and I believe he's going to succeed. But anyway, I know you were just teasing. Yeah, it's because this weekend, you know, I had one copycat like five months ago or something. Like somebody who creates another account, like pretending to be me. And this weekend there was two. So I reported them and some people in my audience helped me and we reported them. But I thought, well, if it's 10 bucks and... I have this blue check and people don't fall for it. Like it's positive. Yeah. You know? So that was really the intention. Cause to be honest, I see no value in this fucking Twitter blue thing. And now, I mean, I, and I have all the features now, all the advanced things and they're all useless. Like undo tweet. Like it's bullshit because when you undo, you lose the text. So you can't just yeah. like fix a mistake. So you have to write it again. So I'd rather not undo copy and paste the failed tweet, the, the mistake, and, you know, re retweet it again, which, so I disabled the undo thing. Then they, like, recommend you some top articles. Who gives a shit about that? It's, like, useless. But that said, I know this guy, Jack Forge, which is, like, a big, big account in the dev niche who, you know, we started, you know, becoming a bit closer, and he's a really nice guy, makes a lot of memes. And he told me he had Twitter Blue, like, with a couple of friends of his with big accounts, at big accounts, meaning like more than 100K or something. And at the end of December, between the 18th and the 31st, they had clearly an advantage. He told me they all noticed they were getting boosted like crazy. So it doesn't hurt. And I think I'm going to be able to study, does it impact growth? Does it impact conversions? And also the thing that made me, that convinced me finally is like, when someone, like somebody random, I literally don't know this person, but they just said, oh yeah, I have a friend who did it and he converted customers way easier after that. Like it was way easier to get sales. And I'm like, you know, when I went over 10K followers, I noticed an improvement on my conversion rates significantly. Mm. So I'm like, if for 10 bucks a month, I get just even 5% more sales of my product, 
which would be like $500 more per month for $8. Dude, like no brainer. So I was like, okay, too many reasons. I'm doing it. I'm going to be like a sucker now with a blue check, but whatever. I'm doing it. <laughs> well, it definitely makes more sense for you. I'm interested to see if it actually makes any difference in conversion rates because you're actually looking at that stuff, whereas I'm just tweeting aimlessly into the abyss. But it does make a lot yeah. more sense for you than me. I just do it for how, my ego because I would like the blue check and still in my mind. I know. When, when and you <laughs> like to spend money. Yeah, I like to spend money on stuff that doesn't oh, make any difference. I can spend money on Twitter? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. still in my head whenever I see a blue check mark. I just, now, now I know like people can pay for it, but there's a split second where you think, oh, they're verified. I wonder what for. They must be important or a big account, but now you can have it small. But I, I like my, I like my blue check mark. Interested to see how it works for you though. Yeah, I'm very curious, I think. And I think, you know, now I have a lot of things to tell people about in the next update of my course because I plan to record an update with all the changes in the algorithm. Ooh. Basically, n nothing really changed. But, I mean, the strategy shouldn't change, but there's a lot of information that changed. So I'm going to try to record like a 20, 30 minutes update, free for everyone. And it's also going to allow me to update my landing page and say that the course is up to date with latest algorithm changes from Elon Musk, which I know a lot of people are afraid to buy because of this. So, fuck, I'm sick, so I can't do the recording because it's exhausting. <laughs> but when I'm not sick, I'm doing this recording, like aiming for like a 30 minutes high quality video that I'm going to add to the course. I think it's going to be like awesome way of re-promoting the course. And, and it should be at the same time that I hit like a thousand sales, which would be like about like three weeks or one month from now. So I'm planning to do a cool. big thing, yeah. thousand sales, big update, you know, let's go, you know, like a big, a big day or something. So I'm excited. How, how is the course going for sales? Cause I know quite early on in the pod, we was sort of aiming for, was it like two, three sales a day you were trying to get? Yeah. So yeah. we're, that's where we are. We are maybe three, four, more, more three or four. Nice. So like, for example, today, 280 bucks, four sales, you know, just today, which is like basic, like it's like the most average day ever. So like, that's the perfect example. And so this month so far, we're on the 21st and I'm at 6K. Boom. You Dude, know, that is so cool. Good man. Well, I've had a very, very good week. I can uh, see on I, your face, you're, you're glowing. I'm glowing, thank you. I'm feeling so good. So last week I sort of spoke about my plans, get like a big cash injection to try and clear my debt. One of those options was to attempt to sell Indie Bytes. So I have conversations around it. And since then I have just been dead focused on what I can do to make this happen and getting very excited about the idea of having no debt I've had loads of conversations with people about if they could potentially acquire Indie Bytes, what that would look like. People that have acquired podcasts before, people that have had their podcast acquired, had conversations with people about, is that the right thing to do? And the sort of conclusion I've come to, having had all these conversations since last Wednesday when I decided it, is that selling it might not be the best thing right now because it is a large commitment for someone to buy it. The price I set was $30,000. And I, I also don't really want to do it. It's more, I need this cash injection and this is a yeah. way to do it. So the more likely option is that I'm going to partner with a sponsor for a year. 
and it is going to be an incredible deal for whoever decides to pick this up because I've just said it at the current rate, the rate of today, which is just under $300 an episode. So for the year, 52 episodes, it's just over $15,000. The thing is, if you partner with Indie Bytes now today, the show doubled last year with I think 30 episodes if I'm doing 52 next year with a commitment from a sponsor the show could double triple quadruple and then by the end of the year you're going to have a podcast sponsorship that you paid $300 for that may be worth five six seven even a thousand dollars and that's really appealing mm. and it's exciting for me to give someone that value up front and for me to be able to get that $15,000 payment. That would be already a good a good progress for your debt. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. also, it could help you with the commitment of IndieBytes week after week. 100%. The accountability with a long-term partner who has believed in me yeah. to make it happen. We have that money commitment up front. And what that... $15,000 should do is clear all the debt I have interest in. And I, Dago, I'm so excited oh. about the day when I have like no one I'm owing money to apart from the other about 10,000, which is actually to family members who have been very kind. Oh, and so there is no interest. No so interest. If you pay off 15K of debt, you don't have any interest running? No interest, just all all of that that I owe on credit cards, on loans to whatever establishment that will all be clear. Oh, amazing. So you wouldn't have that because like that's what's putting you under all the time, like mm-hmm. accruing interest. Damn, that's exciting. And you don't have to sell it. Dude, and I don't yeah, sell let's it. go. I mean, it sounds exciting. So yeah. I hope you can make that happen. Thank you, man. Well, yeah, there's a few people I'm having conversations with that seeming interested and I'll maybe give an update next week to see where that's gone. It, it might not pull through. If not, we'll have another update next week, but it's looking positive. And because I've been so excited about this prospect of getting rid of the debt, it's sort of spiraled into loads of positive thoughts for me when it comes to like sorting out my finances. I've talking about okay. getting consistent income in. I've had so many conversations this week with either potential clients or or existing clients about what our work could look like going forward. I've got to realize I need to find a way to have consistent money coming in every month and I can do yeah, consistent yeah. work for people. So I've had some really great conversations about making that happen along with the IndieBite sponsor, which could clear my debt. And then my big client, which we've spoken about, the video one, we agreed over the weekend to go weekly. So this is what we discussed right at the very start. Weekly episodes at £1,500 an episode, which for the quarter would be £20,000. And that is going to be such a big life-changing amount, which can help clear that money to and also give me that buffer to plan for future. Yeah, yeah, that buffer, definitely. So, wow. So cool to hear that, man. Like, mm-hmm. I know why you're glowing now. And so I'm thinking, if you clear that debt, like, because you told me you needed like five or six K per month, but like, if you clear the debt, how much do you need? Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't need more than three. Okay, three. Um, so that's what yeah. I'm thinking, because like, literally, once you clear the debt, you could just like, you know, do indie bites, do which table, 
do a co like this guy for the client work and you're done and you can even like save up money. Dagger, I'm feeling so excited for the first time in my adult life to be debt free and start building up savings and to be someone yeah. that has money instead of constantly chasing it. It's literally been since I started working at 18, it's been seven years of my life constantly chasing, constantly not having money, constantly making silly financial decisions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm excited I can sort of engineer a position where that goes away really quickly just awesome. with a bit of focus. Cool, man. I'm so happy to hear that. Can't wait for like next week's updates. Now I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait for next week's update. I want to subscribe to the part two. Like, I want to know what's happening next. The one other thing I'm making a change with, which is working and making me happy at the moment, where I've got all this momentum, I'm feeling great. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I've set myself a challenge of working like a normal, normal hours. So I tried this from last Wednesday, working yeah nine to five just normal and then taking weekends off and i've done it since last wednesday and it feels great i've been getting work done i've just been like i've sat down at my desk saying this is my work time and i have no choice i just i just start working and then i get things done and i feel great about it i'm like why haven't i done this more often i've given myself like too much flexibility in life and now where i'm sort of giving myself more restrictions it's working well it's the best I'm, i was laughing because i'm like This is my dream right now. Nine to five, please. I need the energy to do nine to five again. I don't even want to do overtime anymore. Just give me nine to five, please. So yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. I was laughing because of that, but that's awesome. Yeah, if you can, I noticed it was helping you last year, like end of last year, like when you were doing that, when you were like committing and all that, it was helping you. You were feeling better, you know, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like eating healthy. Like you, you know, it's better, but you don't always do it. So it's awesome. Exactly. Getting back on track. So that's all the positive stuff. We'll end on some negatives. Where all this Indie Bytes stuff has been happening, I've been getting more excited about making Indie Bytes great. But for the first time in a long time, I've had guest rejections. And oh. I've been so fortunate over the course of Indie Bytes that 99% of people have said yes. And the other 1% have had like really valid reasons. But on this occasion, the guy I asked to come on was Nir Ayao, who wrote the book Hooked and Indistractable oh. Now. And he Shit. is great. I want to hear that one, but I won't be able to. <laughs> it's wonderful for the community. And the reason I feel so upset about this rejection is I've recorded two podcast episodes with him as a producer on my client's show. And Nir is absolutely lovely. We did one episode with him and it was focused on one of his books. And at the end, I was like, oh, I, I feel like we, we, sh we should have got more. I said to my client and I said, do you reckon Nir will come back on for another one? And he was like, yeah, I, I, I can ask and see what happens. And Nir said yes to that. Now, my client's podcast is a very similar size to Indie Bites and is like not really Nir's audience that much. But he still went on and did these basically three hours of recordings. So when I sent the message to Nia after having like conversations with him as producer, I almost thought it was going to be instant yes. And yeah, obviously. How, I would think so too, yeah. How wrong I was. So I sent this email to Nia saying, thank you for coming on the episodes with John. I really enjoyed it. I've got a similar sized show where we speak to founders and entrepreneurs. We all look up to you and have enjoyed your book. It's a 30-minute recording, 15-minute episode. Would you be up for doing it? And he responded and said, hi, please fill out this form on my website. I was like, 
Okay, fine. Fair enough. I will jump through the hoop and fill out the form. So I fill in the form, put all the details in about bites, and the next day I just get like a flat out rejection saying, no, this isn't something Nir would be interested oh, in. And like he obviously gets a, a lot of requests to do these media appearances. And so I understand it, but it just felt like a bit of a defeat because I've had so much luck with getting guests on and I'd done two recordings with him and he was on the recordings. He was like asking for other podcasts to go on. And even then it was still a rejection. Dude, that's just like, forget this. Like it's for, think about the 90%, 99% and get some nice guests, just tons of people who would love to come on the show, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the takeaway for me from it was that rejections are going to happen. And frankly, I've not had enough of them and I need to get more used to it because I've also had rejections on like the acquisition and the sponsorship where I've been like actively outreaching to people about yeah. the potential of it. I've got a yeah. few like straight out no's and I struggle with it. Like I'm like, I just, I just feel like personally attacked by someone saying no. Um, That's why I never do cold outreach or anything. I'm scared <laughs> of it too. Like I yeah. hate it, you know? So yeah. So that's pretty much Revenge. me for the week. Brief update on wallet sales. It's I aim for a twelve hundred this month, and I'm unlikely to hit it. And I've just realised it's important not to get too tied to these arbitrary goals I'm setting, but just make logical steps to what I can do to hit it next week. If like if I wanted to make that this week, what could I do? Also, sorry, this month. Um, yeah, yeah. Potentially getting another big order to hit that but it's an arbitrary goal. Maybe just focus on the stuff that's really important, which I'm happy with right now, which is the money stuff. And then next month I can start to do more of the content that I want to do, tweets, PR outreach, all of that stuff. But right now, happy to just focus on what's going to make like a important short-term impact. All right, man, should we wrap it up here? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Indie Life. Hope you enjoyed the chat between myself and Dago. If you've got any questions or feedback, we want to hear from you. Feel free to send us a message on Twitter. Our handle is at IndieLifePod. I'll pop a link in the show notes for you. And if you want to watch us instead of listen, a reminder that this podcast is on YouTube from now. That's all from me. Stay indie. James out. 